Father, we come before you asking this time that you would speak to us. God, that everything we can give you, every distraction, every moment of our week, every heartache, every pain, every frustration, we lay those at your feet this morning. Because we know that you are sovereign above all. You are able to take care of it all. We are in all of you. We love you. Speak to us this morning. Have your way with us. Joe, holding me pray. All God's people said, Amen. Have a seat. Thank you. Good job for sharing with us, leading us to worship. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We've looked at these verses beginning in verse 9 in Romans 12, and it's helping us understand uh, the aspects of love. Verse 9, love must be genuine, the real thing. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. We are to love one another with a brotherly affection. We are to outdo one another in showing honor. Competition to show honor. We are not to lollygag. We are not to be shilly-shally. We do not be slothful in zeal. We are to be fervent in spirit. That means boiling. Our love is to boil as we serve the Lord. We are to get tough in love. We are to get stronger in love. We are to have a stronger foundation now than we had this time last year. We are to, we are to rejoice in hope that requires strength. That requires conviction. That requires resolve. We are to be patient in tribulation. That's waiting on the Lord. We, we are not to run. We are not to flee. We, we are not to give up. We are not to quit. We need to be really, really, really slow to quit. I mean, we are to be like that bulldog that grabs a hold of the bone and won't let go. That's to be believers. We are to have that kind of strength and determination and conviction about us. We're patient in tribulation. Long-standing patience. We're to be constant in prayer. Never leave a day without prayer. Never go in anywhere without prayer. Be sure to be led by the Spirit, by visiting with the Lord about decisions, about things, about happenings, constant in prayer. We are to look around and see brothers and sisters that are in need and we're to help them. We're to have that kind of help and we are to seek how to show hospitality. And of course, the word hospitality is phobias with love, strangers. Xena is strangers. You've heard that word a lot in the news. We've talked about that. You're a xenophobe. When anybody says they're a xenophobe, they're saying they are racist. They are uh, they are rejecting a people because they're different. Love doesn't do that. Love seeks how to show hospitality to others. That's what love does. And we went through, uh, we used the border crisis as, uh, as a uh, test bed to, to talk about, you know, what would love do? What does love look at? And we went through all that and, and these complicated matters that are dealt with, is love happening? We love those people. What would we do? How would we do it? You know, and, and we had a conversation with that. I hope you did at lunch as well. 
we are to bless those who persecute us. And to bless people that persecute you means that you ask God to do for those who are persecuting you that you want God to do for you. That's what love does. That's hard, isn't it? That's difficult. When, when we are persecuted, we want to get ahead. We want to get even. We want to, re, we want to uh, return whatever they're doing to us. But that's not what we do in love. The word to be different. We're not like the world. The world may retaliate against those who persecute them, but, but us in the Lord, we don't do that. That's not what we do. We bless those who persecute us. We bless and we don't curse them. And then we are to grow in empathy for each other. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. That's what love does. It is empathetic with each other. To the best of our ability, we understand the hurts and the pains of other people and we relate with that. That's a high calling, isn't it? That's a, that's a real demand there in that calling. Hard for me personally. We are, we are, we are to uh, live in harmony with one another. We talked about what that looks like. Differences blend together. Harmony. The high singer, the low singer, and the middle singer. They sing together. Seven Bridges Road. They sing together. A boy, a girl named Tom. You may, I hope you listen to some of their music this week. Unbelievable harmony. It, it just, man, it's really something. That's to be the image, the picture of the body of Christ. We are different. Different gifts. Different hearts. Different abilities. Different personalities. Different experiences. And we put all those together and because our relationship with God means more than the differences, we blend together. And that's really crucial, especially in those debatable things about Christianity. You know, there are debatables and there are non-debatables. There are negotiables and there's non-negotiables. And, and how we do things is negotiable. It's debatable. We come together and based on the shape, the spiritual gift, the heart, the abilities, the personal experiences of the leadership and the people who, who are involved, it, it makes its own shape. And you probably have noticed in the course of time that the body of Christ changes personality sometimes based on the leadership. And that is true. When the Lord moves me away and, and, and you guys get a new pastor, it'll probably take a while, but hopefully a new personality will provide together something different. You know, and I, I look forward to those days when I sit in that pew and, and watch the new fella you know, do his thing and see how the Lord uses that. It'd be an exciting day for everyone. And, and so we are to live in harmony with one another. We are not to be hiding. We are not to associate the lowly. We, we are to never be wise in our own eyes. If you think you know everything about something, you need to back away. If you think you have all the answers to everyone's problems, you need to be quiet because that is being wise in your own estimation. If you feel like you just got to say something, you need to be careful with that, what your attitude is, what the spirit of that is, because we don't think we know everything. That's what love doesn't do that. Love is not haughty. Love, doesn't, love associates with the lowly. Love never is wise in its own sight. Then we come to verse 17. We're going to finish the chapter today, verses 17 through 21. Verse 17. Here you go. If we're loving... If we're acting with love, we never repay anyone evil for evil. Repay no one evil for evil. 
but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. We are going to face evil. Jesus said so. In Matthew 10, 16, he said, be shrewd, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That's what Jesus said to do. Jesus is commissioning the disciples to go into the world, and Jesus knows that they are going to face evil. So, love must be ready to handle evil, because love in this world finds evil. Evil finds you. You are going to do business with evil people. You are going to have neighbors that are evil. You are going to have people on your ball teams, people in your clubs, people in your activities. If you're a pickleball player, you are going to play pickleball with people who are evil. It's just going to happen because there is evil all around us. And we have to decide up front how we are going to deal with evil. And he says, we never, we never repay anyone evil for evil. Repay no one evil, evil. So that's a decision we have to make. Love doesn't get even. And we are going to see in the conclusion of this scripture today, love doesn't get even, love gets ahead. But not through the same method as evil does. And then the second part of verse 17 the word tells us what we do. We don't pay evil evil. That's the negative. What do we do? The positive. Look what it says. Give thought. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. That's how you respond to evil. Let's say you've been lied to at work. Let's say you've been treated falsely. Let's say you've been slandered. You've been gossiped about. Let's say that people are lying about you. Happens, right? Someone is bearing false witness about you, and, and they're slandering your character, and you're irate about it. You're upset about it. You just can't believe that this is being said. And not only can you not believe it's being said, but you just can't believe people are listening to it. And, and your reputation is being uh, attacked by these people, and, and perhaps by people that you really thought you had a good relationship with. Well, first of all, you don't get evil with them. You don't get even with them. That's number one. Second thing is, you think. Give it some thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So when it's going on, back away a little bit. Think through it. Think about what really matters. Think about what honors God. Think about what is the honorable response in this situation. The honorable response is the good response, the right response, the healthy response. But more importantly, what is the response that I'm going to give that best glorifies God? That's what we do. Have you failed at that from time to time? I'm sure all of us have failed at that from time to time. I have failed at that from time to time. I would like to say I have a good record with that, but I don't. But we have, a, we have an opportunity to go again, don't we? And so when you face evil, you don't repay no one evil for evil, you give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Staging is a good thing to do. When you're having a problem, 
at work, at play, in the neighborhood, whatever it is. But before you have to be around those people that you deem to be evil, to be treating you evilly, here's what you do. You stage. Maybe out in the parking lot before you, when you pull up to work, sit there for a moment. God, help me. Train me. Speak to me. Guide me. Give me the right spirit. Give me the right thoughts. Help me to follow through well today. Help me to glorify you as I'm about to deal with lots of conflict, lots of evil, lots of difficulties here. Stage yourself. When you're coming home, you're coming home from work. Before you walk, if your family's in the house, the wife and the kids in the house, the husband and the kids in the house, or whatever it might be in a situation, and you come, before you get out of your car, stage. Don't take your anger in there. Don't take your frustration there. They, don't, they didn't do anything to, to cause your frustration, anger today. Give yourself time to refocus or retook. Give thought to what is honorable. That's what we do. So if you ever wonder about how do God's people handle evil in today's world, exactly the way they handled evil in Paul's world, we don't repay evil for evil, and we give thought to what is honorable. Now, it says what is honorable in the sight of all. What's going to be the best testimony? What, what is Christ-like? What is true love? My response needs to be God-honoring and bring glory to him and be a great testimony. So when you face evil, that's what you do. Now, verse 18. I'm so glad verse 18 is in the Bible. If verse 18 wasn't in the Bible and others just like it, that, that help us to see what our responsibilities are with evil people and, and what we are to do, I, I think we would really have a painful, painful burden to carry, a, a weighty burden to carry if we were responsible to make everything good, if we were responsible to fix every conflict, if, if we had that laid on us, if God laid on us, look, here's what the deal is. Every evil person that you encounter, it's up to you to have peace with them. Well, well that'd be a, it'd be a miserable existence, it would. But it says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. If possible. So that says to us, do your part. Do all you can to be at peace with everybody. Do all you can. In Mark chapter uh, 10, the same scripture we talked about, uh, wise as serpents and, and innocent as doves. He teaches them, if you find peace, stay. Share the good news. Talk with people. If you don't find peace, go out in the front yard, go out in the street, take off your shoes or sandals, and dust the sand off your sandals and say, it's going to be worse for you than it even was for Sodom. That's what Jesus said to do. So he is saying to us there, we do all we can to be at peace with people. But if that can't happen, and the truth is, we're all going to have relationships with people, especially in this world, that it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how you do it, it doesn't matter how long you persevere in that situation, you're going to discover that you just can't be at peace with them. You just can't do it. You're not responsible for that. 
if you've done all you can do. That's what the word of the Lord tells us. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So that's a great verse. Our responsibility is to do all you can. Now, you need to ask yourself the question, you're dealing with an evil person, you're struggling with an evil person, you're attempting to love an evil person, a hard-to-love person, a difficult person. You need to ask yourself the question, before you dust the, 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 the sand off your shoes, the dust off your shoes, have you done all that you could do? Have you said all you can say? Have you listened long enough? And if, you, if that is answered, you say, Lord Jesus, have I listened enough? Have I persevered enough in this situation? And if you hear from the Lord that you have, then you've done all you can do. You're set free from that. Now, in those relationships of conflict where there's no peace and you're related to them, <laughs> that's a hard deal, isn't it? That's a difficult Thanksgiving that's a difficult Christmas if you get to be in the same room with them. And if you come to a place where you think, I've done all I can do to be at peace with these folks, with Uncle Bud or whoever it is, right? When you're going to do better at Christmas, you're going to do better at Thanksgiving, if you're invited to the same cousin birthday party, and, and you, you're going to do better if you recognize that you have been released from the responsibility to... to to make peace with them because you have run the course and you discovered that it is just not possible to be at peace with them until there's a change of heart. And you've already had the change of heart because you're asking the Lord to show you, guide you, train you, and help you to see what you need to see. And as far as it depends on you, you've done all you can do. When you go to that party, Thanksgiving event, whatever it is, you're going to be free. You just, you, whatever they say or don't say is not going to bother you. you. You know, whatever their opinions are, however they treat you, it's just not going to penetrate you because you've done all you can and there's not anything else you can do about it and you've placed it in the feet of Jesus into the Lord's hands and, it, and the Lord's got to do it. And you're not responsible anymore. And that's a wonderful place to be in. And, and that is a place to long for if you're in a situation where you can't find that peace with anybody, with somebody. It's like Abraham's servant, Genesis chapter 24. What a great story. Travel all the way to the Ur of Chaldees to find a wife for Isaac. But Abraham's servant said, Lord, what if I can't find anybody? And Abraham said to him, you're not going to be held responsible for it if you can't find anybody. You just go see. You go try. The only thing I request of you, never take Isaac over there, but just go empty-handed. Just take your time. Walk across that desert with them camels and, and just enjoy the beautiful scenery at night, the sky and all the stars, and, and just see how the Lord leads you. And if nothing develops, just come on home. You're welcome here. I'm, you're going to be all right. Wow. You know, we don't hear nothing about the journey because it was a great journey. I mean, if you are set free from all responsibility of the assignment and you've done all you can do, you, you can just sit down and 
go, that's the best turkey I ever had at Thanksgiving. Pretty good eats right there. Y'all going to watch the ball game a little later? Yeah, me too. You, Uncle Bud, you want to sit by me? <laughs> you know, because you ain't bothered me this year. I tell you what, because I've done all I can do with you, big boy. We got to do our part. Now the next one. Verse 19, 20, and 21. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Got to let that soak in a moment. But what about, no, never. What about if this happens? No, never. What about if I'm deserving? No, you're never deserving. Hmm. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. but leave it to the wrath of God. Let that soak in a moment. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Wrath. Wrath is not to be viewed as the same way we would view our wrath. God's wrath is not like our wrath. God's wrath is not like human wrath. God's wrath is simply put or complicatedly put. God's wrath is his settled hostility towards sin in all its various manifestations. God's wrath is a response of love. God's wrath. A settled hostility. Not like man's wrath, if we'll talk about, but to say settle in its hostility means that God's holiness and his righteousness and his rightness will not and cannot coexist with sin in any form whatsoever. Exodus 34 tells us that God the Father will by no means clear the guilty. Now, here's the truth about God's wrath. We have believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Those of us that believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have believed that our sin was punished on the cross of Jesus. Jesus paid the price for our sin. If you do not believe that, your sin is going to be punished by you. Your sin will be punished by you. And that means also in this situation that evil will be punished by God. Okay? So as you're going through your conflicts and your struggles and your problems with people and all those kind of things going on, when we understand and have a healthy understanding of God's wrath, we won't take vengeance. We just won't take vengeance. I can't imagine any of us, if we've tasted the love of God in Christ and, and our life is compelled by love of Christ, that we will take vengeance on someone 
that because of their sin and their evil, God will punish. And He will punish. And the evidence of God's punishment are severe and thorough. Sodom and Gomorrah. I can't imagine anything worse than sulfur and fire falling on them. Couldn't find any righteous people there. You remember the story. If there's 50, will you relent? If there's 50, is there 40? Yes. Is there 30, 20, 10? There wasn't even 10. And the two angels that went to live in the house, you remember how the people said, bring out them angels, bring out them boys for us. Woo, we saw them walk in. Evil, evil, evil. Fire and sulfur fell on them. That place was demolished. You think about the flood. I can't imagine a flood that is so thorough that it destroys everyone in the world who wasn't on the boat. That's thorough. That's devastating. That's severe. And I think about the plagues of Egypt. Pharaoh would not relent. He would not give in. His heart was hardened. And all the plagues they experienced, and then that final one, the oldest male births were all killed except for the Jews that applied the blood over the doorpost. That goes back to, if you die without believing in Jesus, you will be punished. Your sin will be punished. That person that you want to get even with, that person that you're plotting to avenge, they are going to experience that horrible state. I don't think you're going to get even with them then if you realize that. If you have a healthy view of vengeance, wrath of God, you are, you are not going to lift a finger against them, are you? Because you know that wrath is coming. Because the Bible tells us that. I think about Elisha and those young men who made fun of his bald head and said, why don't you go up like Elijah did and making fun of him, teasing him, and those two she-bears come out and kill 42 of them. The wrath of God. I can't imagine. I mean, fire for me would be terrible, but I can't imagine two bears ripping me apart. I, I, I can't fathom that. That's just horrible. And if you realize that the wrath of God is severe, you won't get even yourself when you know that. And so that Scripture's in there to motivate us. This Scripture here to help us understand do not take vengeance. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. You need to understand what the wrath of God is like. And I think when you understand what the wrath of God is like, and you get some understanding of it, you're not going to want vengeance. You're not going to want to get even. You're not going to go to hurt and hurt other people. Because of the wrath of God. I think that would help all of us to realize that. I think it would help us. And it's just not an Old Testament thing. It's a New Testament thing. There's several stories of God's wrath in the New Testament. One of the stories that's really peculiar to me, and, and it's, it's a mind-boggler, is Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. They all agreed together that if they sold any property, gained it, they would bring all the money together and help the, the Christians because they were, they were poor and they were struggling and, and the, the economy was shut off from them. 
And they lied. They lied about the money they had made on the land. And the Holy Spirit took their lives right there. And of course, there's, there's just not a better picture of God's wrath for us than Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross. Now, we think it is beautiful. We think it is spectacular and His great love for us. But do you understand that when Jesus died on the cross, God laid on Him the iniquity, the sin of all of us? And He died. What a horrible death. There's some doctors who have written about what it's like to be on a cross and talk about how He had to pull Himself up to breathe. And by the time He got there, how much blood did he have in his body anyway? There's just, he was ripped to shreds. And, and he was mocked up there. That's the least of the physical pain that he went through. And of course, they put spikes through his wrist and through his feet. And man, he's just fighting to breathe, fighting to breathe. God laid on him our sin so we don't have to be punished. So when you face evil, and you think about getting even. You think about vengeance. You think about what Jesus did on the cross. And that ought to make you drop your sword. That ought to make you put down your pen. That ought to make you delete your email. That ought to make you stop talking and spreading gossip. It ought to make you. That's what love does. God's wrath is severe. It's thorough. It will destroy all evil. And so understand that when you face evil, you face evil people in evil doings, they are going to experience God's wrath. All sin will experience God's wrath. It will be paid for. It will be punished. All evil will face God's wrath. So, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, this is about our Lord, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is my responsibility. Vengeance is not your responsibility. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is my responsibility, not yours. So we need to really be, be clear about this, decide up front how we're going to handle evil. Vengeance is his, not ours. Our, our responsibility is to love, is to try to reconcile, is to try to work through things to try to come to some ground of understanding. And if it's possible, we are going to make all things better, all things right if we can. But if we can't, we are done with it. But we are never to take up the, the, the need to get right, to get even with them, to have vengeance, because vengeance is never, ever our responsibility. Vengeance is always His. That's what the Word of the Lord says to us. Vengeance is mine. And look what he says, I will repay. Now, you can look at this verse of Scripture and go, well, he's much better than I am, so good. 
but you're not seeing the wrath of God with that perspective. You're not seeing it. It ought not to be God's vengeance is, you know, the severe, thorough, harsh. There's complete settlement. There's, there's no holes in the agenda. And, and we rejoice in that. That's not to be our situation. Our situation is to have, oh, just, if we really understand the wrath of God, when we face evil, there, there should be an unbelievable just sorrow for them, pain for them, anguish for them, because we see how God's wrath is. That's what the Scripture tells us here today. To the contrary, says, if your enemy is hungry, feeding, meet the needs. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, meet the needs. Now, it says, for by doing so, you will heat burning coals on his head. Not a strategy, a reality. Okay? This is symbolism. Here's what love does to evil. When we respond to evil with love, we shame evil. Love shames evil. That's what that's about. That's not a motivation because they're going to go through the wrath of God. But understand that no one wants burning coals on their head. And so when we love evil, it shames them. That's a motivation. That's inspiration for people who, who Paul understood because of his own experience you believe in Jesus in the day of Nero. You believe in Jesus in the day of Caligula. You believe in Jesus in the day that they lived. You are going to face evil. But it's also true today. It's also true. And, and we need to understand that. That we need to meet needs. We need to love. We need to make all the efforts to be at peace. But we are never to retaliate. We are never to repay anyone evil for evil. And we are never to seek vengeance. Then he just summarized it in verse 21. This is what we are to be. This is the kind of people we are to be. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's our weapon. Goodness is our weapon. Our weapon is love, faith, joy, grace, patience, generosity, Compassion, that's our weapon. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of God, in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Help us to understand these words, Lord. Help us to respond properly. Help us decide today exactly how we will deal with evil.
And we know by your word, Lord, we will face evil. We have faced evil. We, we will again prepare us now to be able to handle it well for your glory, for your gospel, to advance the kingdom, Lord. Father, I just pray today for anyone that's here today that if they do not believe, if they do not repent of their sin and confess their sin to you, Lord, Father, they will experience your wrath. We pray, Father, for salvation to happen. We pray, Father, that they, the Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts. May they believe today. May they believe right now. May they just surrender to you completely, Lord, and just, re, just believe in that Jesus was our substitute for that wrath. May your spirit speak. May it stir in us. And Lord, as your people here today, may the understanding of your wrath, which is not like our wrath, oh no, Lord, our wrath is combustible. You are patient. Our wrath is vindictive, where yours is holy and right and just. Our, love, our wrath is selfish, where yours is selfless. Oh, Father, may we live every day with the awareness of your wrath, that all sin will be punished and that all evil will be punished. It may live with other people in such a way that we grieve the fact that if they do not repent and turn to you, they will experience your wrath. Motivate us, guide us. May we boil with a fervent spirit the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.